More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the Green Podcast. We are very excited to announce our upcoming event, the Green Summit. Be sure to register for your tickets today. We've got an amazing lineup of guests. It's a two-day event in San Diego that we're streaming all around the world with keynote speaker Hap Klopp, the founder of North Face, and uh, really just an amazing lineup of guests all around, amazing companies, all clean tech, sustainable, uh, renewable energy leaders in the space sharing their views, their goals, their vision for a cleaner future. So be sure to register for the event today. Use the code 25 off to get 25% off of your ticket. Again, that's 25 off and that's the Green Summit. Be sure to register today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Green Podcast. I'm your host Dylan Welch and we've got an awesome guest joining us today. We have Fong Wang who is a specialist when it comes to finance um, investing smartly, and someone who's extremely passionate about the earth and sustainability, all things that are extremely important for us to live good, sustainable lives. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest who's just going to share a little bit more about her passion for finance, for sustainability, and give us some information that we can apply to our lives to both be a little bit more uh, financially educated and also just live a little bit more sustainably at the same time. So, Fong, thank you very much for being here. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Very excited to be here with you as well as the green.org audience. So very thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So let's kind of dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where your passion for finance came from and really, you know, the whole story where you grew up and what led you to where you are today. Because um, I think, you know, your story is extremely interesting and will resonate with a lot of people in our audience. Oh, I'm absolutely happy to share. So I've spent nearly two decades in financial services industry. You know, spending half the time at financial institutions and the other half at FinTech. Now, during this span of time, I had the opportunity to witness how technology can be deployed and leveraged to make financial uh, inclusion and to ex expand, quite frankly, um, availability of financial services across the board. Uh, both in the U.S. as well as globally. So I was really excited about that opportunity. Now, the um, last year, last year during the midst of the pandemic, um, I was looking to make some, to allocate some of my assets more focused on ESG, uh, environment, social, and governance type of investment. And what I realized was that the information I was seeking was highly decentralized and the tools that I needed were often not available to me as an individual retail investor. And that's when I started thinking, well, this is a problem that needs to be solved with technology. And that's where I, um, you know, founded, um, turned my attention to allinvestor.com which um, is going to be the solution for retail investors to achieve that level of um, ESG-focused type of investments to enhance, their invest to enhance their investment returns. Very cool. And it's, I love hearing how people you know, kind of sought out information and couldn't find that information and then decided to build a business around it. I mean, that's, 
at the end of the day, pretty much how green.org got started. So our audience, you know, they might not be full experts in, you know, individual um, investing and financial advising. Real quick, can you explain what an ESG is to our audience? Absolutely. So ESG, um, the acronym stands for Environment, Social, and Governance. And really, essentially, these are a set of metrics that um, are that companies use to, to basically articulate or explain the impact that their business practices have in each of these areas, right? The impact on the environment, the impact on social justice, social equity, and also governance. When it comes to governance, it's about the transparency of their corporate practices and how much um, shareholder involvement or more broadly speaking, uh, stakeholder involvement is, um, is taken into account. Right, and um, I think the challenge today um, with ESG investing as well as reporting is that there's no consistent and standardized criteria for evaluating what constitutes a business ESG impact. So when you're looking at potential, you know, ESG investments, even when you're looking at comparing two companies with exactly the same ESG ranking, it's not an apple to apple comparison because they may be using completely different metrics to arrive at that ranking. And the way that a company who's ranking these companies, they may assign different weights to each of these um, rankings, well, each of these criteria, sub subcategories as well. So that's kind of the first challenge when it comes to ESG investing. And I think the other thing that I, I found to be, um, that is a common challenge in the marketplace today is that because, you know, in, individually for each of us, our priorities are different, right? Our values are different. So even though, you know, um, a company have uh, you know a, a certain e, uh, a criteria ranking when it comes to environment, but the criteria they use for environment may not align with mine, right? So how do I make sure that when I when I think I'm making a, um, a kind of a conscious um, decision when it comes to ESG or sustainable investment uh, investment, those investments actually align with my my personal values. That's kind of the second challenge. And I think, you know, many of us, you know, I suspect have, you know, spoken to advisors who, who tell you, oh, I'm an ESG advisor. I help my clients set up ESG focused investment strategies. But in the, even in those cases, right, again, there's a bit of a vetting process that you have to kind of have a, a very in-depth conversation with the advisor to make sure their values align with yours and that they don't change during the, you know, kind of midstream once you actually have a relationship set up and they're managing your portfolio. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of monitoring and, and that needs to happen, which makes passive investing um, difficult when it comes to ESG and sustainability. That makes a lot, and that's a lot of really great information. Thank you. I think you just answered a lot of questions that a lot of people have been researching and couldn't quite find just the basic, simple answer to. So thank you. Um, one thing you mentioned before was you were kind of trying to find these tools and a lot of the information was decentralized and ultimately that's where you decided to build a company around. So for someone researching this kind of information, what tools were you looking for and what kind of stuck out, you know, to you as an expert of, oh man, like this is missing, this isn't fair, this information isn't correct. Um, just so that, you know, for the average retail investor, we can keep an eye on those things. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, in addition to ESG rankings, as, as we talked about earlier, ESG rankings, while, while they can be informative, they're not kind of the, the final answer because you really need to dig in to understand with each ranking company, how they arrived at that ranking, right? So in order, so as part of that code, I think of it as kind of the due diligence process, you really need to reach out to additional um, sources of publicly available information such as um, SEC filings. A lot of companies will make, you know, in their quarterly reporting, they will, um, you know, give um, information, insights into initiatives that are currently ongoing, progress, as well as um, uh, issues that have come up, right? So all of that information could help, uh, you know, individuals uh, like you and I to suss out whether or not a company is you know, how serious they are about um, ESG uh, sustainable um, business practices initiatives that they are initiating and potentially figure out whether or not kind of they're greenwashing their business practices as well. And in addition to that, I think also it's important to to do a bit of due diligence on the individual managers, right? Because you want to see a, a CEO or a CFO or a COO, their track record when it comes to implementing previous um, initiatives, whether it's ESG um, aligned or, or, or in other areas. So you can kind of understand or assess, assess their ability to execute and deliver on results as promised, right? And in addition to that, of course, there's litigation, right? So court records and litigation and plenty of other sources of information. And, you know, last but not least, also social media, just to see kind of the review, what, what kind of um, product reviews the company's getting is, this is especially important when it comes to, comes to consumer products. Uh, whether, so this will give you insights um, into whether or not a, a company is taking, you know, consumer import, uh, consumer input seriously, right? Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you would think that there would be some sort of governing body overseeing the companies that regulate that, because I feel like that could lead to a lot of corruption almost saying, oh, yeah, this company is really sustainable. You should totally invest in and buy this stock. Um, so that, that's kind of surprising. Do you see some sort of organization emerging to regulate that or is it all just still kind of up in the air because it's such a new thing? You know, um, I think there are, you know, there are definitely already organizations that are focused on different aspects of ESG. For example, the Federal Trade Commission, they're more focused on consumer complaints. So that's an existing organization that does look at that. And then the SEC as a governing body of publicly listed companies, they also regulate, uh, you know, they, they have rules about a public publicly traded company, their reporting obligations. So these are two, uh, you know, very straightforward uh, examples of government agencies that have the uh, ability to weigh in on the ESG conversation. But in terms of, because ESG is so holistic, right? Because uh, as we know, um, when it comes to say sustainability, which really is a long-term objective, Right. So even when you and, and also involving a lot of trade offs. So I think that's where it gets very, very difficult to uh, to have kind of a uniform ranking uh, and, and be able to compare just based on a ranking basis uh, of companies performance when it comes to sustainable business practice. And this is also where I would encourage, you know, um, uh, individuals to really kind of weigh in and take a more active approach when they're evaluating sustainable business, um, sustain, sustainable businesses for investment potential, because um, it, a lot of it comes down to individual values and priorities. 
That's fascinating. I mean, I had honestly no idea that that was the case. And it's definitely something, you know, when I invest personally, I'll be looking into because you, as you know, someone as a retail investor like me, not a financial advisor, you know, I research different companies I want to invest in and, and look at different information, but it just makes me want to take one step deeper saying, okay, you know, this is a sustainable company, but what does that really mean? And, you know, let's dive a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Honestly, that's amazing. And I, again, I had no idea. That's why I love having conversations with experts like you because you can really lift up the veil on what's happening. What are, so you saw, you know, COVID was happening. You kind of were interested in investing and, and you couldn't find these tools and then you built this company. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on now and kind of that problem that you found and what you're looking to solve. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's a great question. So I think the way, um, one thing I want to put um, on the radar of the listener and audience here is that I think um, traditionally we have often thought about sort of doing well and doing good as two separate prongs, right? It, I, I'm sure many of us have gotten, have gotten the advice previously that right, go ahead and make the investments, you know, um, achieve the financial returns that you desire and then engage in philosophic activities. Right. But I think, you know, if you take a deeper look, you will see that, you know, um, making investments in, in investing in sustainable businesses with focused uh, business practices actually make better financial sense. Because, you know, uh, when a company is being holistic and inclusive in their accounting, financial account accounting, that takes into uh, not just the, you know, the, you know, the, um, the EBITDA of your um, financial accounting, but also a lot of uh, uh, the externalities such as litigation costs, uh, the cost on retention, employee retention and recruitment, and also just lowering, right? If you're engaging in sustainable business practices that if done appropriately and successfully, you have the tendency of increasing your operational efficiency by lowering the cost of business, lowering the cost of your goods, um, cost of goods, as well as, um, you know, cleanup efforts. So in many, for many facets, you know, uh, Sustainable businesses, sustainable businesses, they actually make better financial sense. And this is something that um, Harvard Business School discovered in 2020 when they did the research looking at 2,000 U.S. companies, right, over 21 years. They discovered that firms that um, engage in uh, made material improvements in on ESG issues that were important to their businesses, they actually outperformed significantly um, better than their peers, right? So again, it's important to, I think ESG makes sense, not just from a social impact perspective, but it also makes financial sense. And it's important to take that into account when you're making, selecting investments uh, for your personal portfolio. I think that's one of the most important things anyone has ever said on an episode of this podcast. Really, and, and I'm not even kidding because really that's at the end of the day what this whole podcast with green.org and, and really what we're working on is all about is not just, you know, we all need to make money to live, obviously. So we need to be financially, you know, literate. And ideally, you know, most people care about the environment to a certain extent. And, you know, most people want to make a difference somehow. But when we can combine both of those things and it's proven through hard numbers and statistics, it goes much more beyond, you know, oh, it's a, 
a liberal, it's a conservative, it's a Republican Democrat. It's, you know, no, it's just hard facts that if you invest in these things as a business, it makes you more money in the long term. And that's at the end of the day, what green.org was built on was how can we live sustainably, but also, you know, build successful businesses and build jobs and be more equitable. And, and I think that what you just touched on is extremely profound. So thank you for sharing that. I didn't even know, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research about this, but I didn't know Harvard uh, had dropped that information. So that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, yeah. It's always nice to have like the hard stats back up kind of, you know, what you've been working on for a yeah. long time. Where do you yeah. see, you know, and, and obviously this is a very forward thinking, longer term play for, you know, businesses across a lot of industries. Where do you see sort of the overall financial sector growing and going when it comes to ESGs and investing in more sustainable companies? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, this is why I love having conversations with you. I think you always ask the questions that are like spot on. Great question. So this is, um, so look, again, I'm going to jump back to a little bit of stats. I think it's important for, for individual investors to be aware of this as well. Um, so in 2020, right, U.S. sustainable investing assets reached $17.1 trillion. Okay. Now that was a 42% increase from 2018. But of that 17.1 trillion, only 27% of those assets were held on behalf of individual and retail investors, meaning the remaining 70 plus percent were uh, contributed by institutional investors. Right? So this is where I think it's important for the retail investors to have that um, information um, um, at their fingertips to realize that if you currently, if you don't have any um, uh, sustained ESG-focused investments, or you're not investing with these criteria in mind, you, you, need, you may need to put that um, uh, on the catch-up uh, pace, right? You need to catch up with the institutions. Because as you know, you know, um, in the capital markets, capital sways the, the movement of markets, right? If a significant portion of funds are being funneled into ESG investments, then those of us who are not currently invested with that in mind, we need to re refocus our attention. Maybe not, you know, the, the goal here is not to turn your, you know, to scrap your existing portfolio, but to start including ESG uh, investments as appropriate, because that is where capital inflow is happening and that's where the valuation is going to, um, to get increased. Okay. I, yeah, I'll keep going, please continue no so so what I want I just wanted to put a final note on that so I think the the conclusion here really is that I think you know unlike a decade ago it's it's becoming apparent that ESG investments and sustainable investments is going to be the new normal going forward gotcha that makes sense and I think you know one thing because we've had a few conversations before this recording just to get to know each other and prep and one thing I think you really stressed which was important was you don't have to completely change up your entire portfolio and ditch what you've been working on. It's just being mindful of this and slowly adding it because again, at the end of the day, not only is it you know good for the environment, but it'll also help your portfolio and make you money and it, it makes it sense from a financial um, perspective. So I, I think that's really cool. Let's, uh, I, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot and kind of going off a little bit different than we talked about, but if you could kind of give just sort of a, a very simple piece of financial advice, you know, that sort of the average person could apply to their lives. So I know we're talking pretty higher level stuff, 
Um, and I just kind of want to bring it back to, you know, sort of the average viewer who listens to our show. If you were say, you know, 25, 30, you, you're starting to save some money. Um, what's, a, what's something simple that someone could do that you think, you know, thinking 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line will have a, a really impactful, you know, impactful impact on them. What, what would that be if you could share that? I would say compounding. Mm -hmm. the effect of compounding, even from an investing perspective. I think especially when you're starting out, I think, um, and also, sorry, if I cannot make that two things. So compounding and long-term, because um, compounding only takes effect, right? We all know about interest compounding and it, it starts to really accelerate once you get to about 12 and, and beyond, 12 years and beyond, right? Then the, 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 the exponential increase becomes uh, a, a pretty accelerated. And similarly with, with investing, with investing because of the fluctuation in the marketplace, you know, it's, it, it doesn't behoove anybody to look at your investments on a daily basis because, you know, it, you know I mean, I, I, we, we all have the, have the experience of logging into your E-Trade account and, and see, and they always give you the daily, you know, changes like, oh, from day to day, your investment increased or decreased by what? But that's very, that's, that's misleading, right? Because, that's paper, that's paper valuation. Unless you sell and, and buy, or you, unless you act on that change, that's just paper changes, right? You don't have to take into account. But what's important is to keep in mind the long-term trajectory of the market, right? Because if you look at the long-term trajectory of the US stock market, in general, it, the increase is about four to 5% a year, right? If you compound that, that's gonna be pretty exponential uh, a decade out. So don't get caught up in the, you know, kind of the day-to-day -day fluctuation in the market that, you know, unless you're, unless you are selling your, you know, investment in the next 30 days or today, that is immaterial. So keep your eye on the ball and keep it long-term and, and stay invested. And even small amounts invested periodically will add to a big, uh, a significant nest egg, like, you know, a decade out um, on the horizon. Such good information, seriously. Like that, you know, I'm, I'm 31 and I started really investing in my like mid 20s. Um, and if you're in that area and you're listening to this, like I couldn't have put it better myself just from my own experience. And, and I'm victim to that too. You know, you check E-Trade, you know, frequently and sometimes it's like, nope, put it down. It's okay. It's, it was a slow day. Tesla didn't do as well as I was hoping, but it'll bounce back up. And, uh, and seriously, those are two extremely helpful piece of information that a lot of people, you know, you can spend hours researching articles, reading books, but at the end of the day, when you boil it down to some basic information, that's extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, what is, you know, Bon, thank you first off for being here because again, this has been an amazing episode. We're really only scratching the surface. We'll have to have you on again. Um, for someone who's interested in learning more or contacting you or getting involved, what's the best way that, you know, our audience can reach out to you if they want to learn more about this type of investing? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out to me um, at my personal email, uh, um, hello at fongwang.com. You can also go to ourinvestors.com's um, our website and sign up for early access if you want to get more insights into the functionalities and information that we will be making available on the website over the next, uh, uh, next month. So, I think those are two uh, good ways to get in touch. Amazing. Seriously, thank you so much. And I always like to leave the episode with, you know, 
just from your personal experience, and this could be a financial piece of advice, a sustainable piece of advice, or just a life advice, what's sort of the biggest thing that you know you would want our audience to leave with today when it comes to just having an action item to go apply to their life to be a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more environmentally friendly, or even just a little bit happier with their life? Absolutely. I think it's to, um, it's to take, um, it's, it's that zoom in, zoom out perspective, right? I think it's important to focus on the daily, um, daily ins and outs and to do's and things like that. But it's also important to occasionally, um, you know, just, you know, go to the 30,000 and take a 30,000 view of, uh, of the horizon. Right. And I think this is where sustainability investing, investing really comes in handy because that is, you know, from a sustainability perspective, it's always a long term perspective. Right. And you just you want to see where those trends are happening and where those trends align with your personal priorities and, and start to take those um, those observations and, and basically implement those in your daily lives. So you can start to see which companies are also paying attention to this to the sustainability trends, sustainability trends, and um, basically and implementing those, right? To identify those that are value, uh, that are mission aligned with your personal philosophy and consider them for investments in the future or today. Amazing. Seriously, one of my favorite episodes I've done. This information is so important and so powerful and so impactful both on our world, but also on our individual lives as well. Um, seriously, as Fong said, you know, make sure you're working hard every day, learning every day, you know, staying, staying focused on your goals, but don't forget to zoom out a little bit and keep things into perspective because a lot of crazy big things are happening right now. And if you can kind of pay attention to the trends that are, are happening now, that'll come to fruition 10 years from now. And also just being smart with your finances and thinking long-term, it'll have a huge impact. Um, Fong, thank you again for being here. Such a great episode. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dylan. Always enjoy chatting. Same. And also, if you're interested in connecting, hello at fongwang, H-E-L-L-O, at F-O-N-G-W-A-N-G dot com. Shoot a message. If you want to get in contact, feel free to reach out to me as well. I'd be happy to connect to you. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Green Podcast. Your support for this show goes... A very long way. We cannot thank you enough for every like, subscribe, share. Seriously, it's, it has an impact. It's making an impact and it will continue to make an impact because of you. So thank you again. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Green Podcast. Thank you.